and welcome back to the Young Adults Bible Study Podcast. My name is Lindsay, and I just want to take the time to thank you guys so much for listening this far. This is our third episode, and I can see that there's a couple of you starting to follow it, and I do really appreciate that because it sometimes feels like I'm doing this for nothing or I'm doing it just to hear my own voice, which isn't true because I hate listening to my own voice, as I said in the first episode, Um, and I, I just pray that this is going to touch somebody's life and that somebody can learn from this, so thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you so much for, uh, tagging along on this ride. This week we are going to be going through Romans chapter 1, verses 8 to 17, and we're going to be going through how we share our faith, and what that looks like in our lives. So thank you guys so much, and without further ado, here's Romans. How are we as Christians supposed to share our faith? Is there a right and wrong way? I don't think there is. I think that it depends on the person, and it depends on the situation. Of course, people always try to tell you that there is a right and wrong way. I know that I've been told, you can't shove it down your throats. And I've also been told that you have to shove it down their throat. And I've been told that you have to be persistent. I've been told that you have to back off. I've been told that you have to try to use what they're learning and talk about, like, let them talk first, and then maybe they'll let you talk. I've been told that you have to invite them to Bible studies, but if you even look at all of those suggestions, you can see loopholes in all of them, and you can definitely find a person that is like, eh, I don't think that's going to work. So let's look at the first verse we're going to talk about. We're going to visit Romans chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all around the world. What does he do first? He thanks God through Jesus Christ for all of them. He's thanking God for them. When we compliment people, it's building them up rather than tearing them down. I know that sometimes we tear people down in our minds and in our hearts. We think, oh, they're different than us and... They're just weird, or that person is a little strange, or oh, they look a little, uh, they look a little homely, or maybe it's a rumor that you heard about them, or maybe they've hurt you in some way. Maybe they stabbed you in the back in high school, or maybe it's an ex that you hold a grudge against. But Paul is thanking God for these people first. And when you're thanking God for people, it's really hard to be mad at them or to see the awfulness in people. Because when you thank God for people, you're looking at the good of them. You're like, okay, I'm thanking God for your heart. I'm thanking God that you're alive. I'm thanking God that you're here today. I'm thanking God that you're part of my life. And when we start thanking God for people, especially people that we find hard to love, you start finding yourself loving them. So what is the first thing that we have to do when we are trying to reach people? We have to love them. We have to thank God for them. We have to pray for them. 
I'm sure if you think about it hard enough, you can think of someone that only sees the bad in people, that they never see the good in people, that they always criticize other people. And if we are to talk to unbelievers or give correction to believers, then why would we start with, you're doing it wrong? I'm sorry, you can't do that. Hey, you know, that's kind of a sin. Hey, you know you're going to hell for that, right? Like, why not give a praise point and allow them to know that this is coming from a place of love? Because if you're not starting in a place of love, then how are they supposed to accept it in love? Why wouldn't they just brush it off because it's a hate statement? When someone comes up to you and they're hostile, are you going to take what they say with with an open mind? Uh, no, because you're just going to brush it off. You're like, yeah, I don't really trust what they're saying because they're kind of mad at me. Or, hey, they're just having a bad day. Like, I'm just going to brush it off. If someone's going to be doing it in love, though, and you can genuinely see that love when they're talking to you, then you have a different attitude towards it. You have different actions that you will take after hearing what they say. I'm sure we can all think of a moment where someone has come up to us and they're just angry and we don't really want to follow what they say. But we can also probably think of a time where someone comes up to us in love with a loving statement and a loving concern and we actually genuinely think about what they say and want to make that change. So back to verse 8, that is what Paul is doing. He's building these people up in love and he's thanking God for them. But let's not just think about this in our interactions of trying to share our faith with people, but think about this in your own life and what effects that it has. If we start every interaction or thought towards someone with, I thank God for you, would things turn out differently? What about that guy who cut you off in traffic? What if instead of uh, talking smack about him, you're like, I thank God for you. Sure, we can do it in an angry way, but it still makes your heart that little bit happier after it happens. Or what if you're having just a really bad day and you have bad interactions with people or bad service at the restaurant and instead of like, ugh, these people, like, why can't they? Why, why don't you start it with, I thank God for you or thank you, Jesus, for this person? Because honestly, it makes such a difference. It's where your heart's at. There's a Proverbs that I had on my bathroom mirror for the longest time, and it's Proverbs 27, 19, and it says, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. So if you're going around and thanking Jesus for everybody, then what do you think is in your heart? It's probably joy and thankfulness, and it's filled with Jesus. It's filled with faith. It's filled with hope. And that's what people will see. If you slowly start to change your everyday interactions from being grumpy and unkind and unloving to someone who is loving and thankful and kind, then that's what's going to be in your heart. And I just think that's so cool that this is how Paul starts his letter. Paul actually starts almost all of his letters like this, even the ones where he has to do a lot of correction in them. 
he just starts in the place of thankfulness and thankfulness for them for God because even the worst people or the people who we consider the worst people as we'll read a lot about in Romans but those people there we, we still have to be thankful for them there's still people that God placed here on this earth and he can still use them and he still will use them this is actually something that was just custom to do in Paul's day can you imagine if it was custom in our day to thank God for people when you're interacting with them like you can go down the street and talk to your neighbor Bobby and be like hey I'm thankful for you and then start your conversation or start all of your texts with I'm thankful for you and doesn't that just start things off on a better note than what we usually start things off with hey sup hey what are you up to like thankfulness is just such an amazing way to start off and it's an amazing way to start your day too what do you start your day with this is a little bit of a sidetrack but every single day we wake up and what is your first thought is your first thought to look at your phone or to look on Facebook or Instagram or snapchat or keep up your snapchat streaks I think my longest streak was 23 because I'm awful at snapchat streaks but is that your first thought or is your first thought oh, I feel gross I don't want to wake up or hey I got a shower I don't want to do that like are you droggy and just discontent when you wake up or are you thankful is that something that you do do you try to have your first thought of the day to be thanking God that you are alive to be thanking God that you are awake because that changes the whole mood of your day. I know that that's something that I haven't been doing lately and I need to get back to doing, but it does. It makes such a huge difference just being thankful and happy and just praising God and worshiping him in the morning. It just, it changes your entire mood. And I know that anxiety and depression is a huge topic these days. And I know that a lot of us struggle with it yes I say us because I also struggle with it but when you choose to thank God instead of focusing on all of the bad in your life man does it change things for the better and I'm just so thankful that that's something that we are able to do because we have this joy through Jesus Christ in us okay so let's move on to verse 9 and 10 these verses say God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So when I was looking at this verse, something that popped out to me was serving in the spirit. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, which is in verse 9. And I didn't really understand what that meant. So of course I went straight to Google and asked what it meant to serve in the Spirit. And it came up with two answers that are similar, but they're also very different. So the first possible meaning is that the Spirit is his witness in all that he does because God and the Spirit are one. And of course, that's a very truthful statement because God and the Spirit are one. So if you're serving in your spirit, of course you're serving God in that. But when I read this, I do read the words, 
in my spirit, not in the spirit. And the spirit and God are one, but my spirit is different than the spirit, is it not? I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So there's definitely two different spirits that we are talking about, and that makes me wonder what Paul is truly saying, because he does say, Whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son. So, that brings me to the second meaning, and the second meaning is that he does not serve begrudgingly. He doesn't do it with a grudge. He doesn't do it just because he has to. He serves not just on the outside, which is works, but because that is right with the Spirit. But again, it doesn't say the Spirit. It says my Spirit. So it is right with his Spirit. If I have anyone listening that knows the answer to this, please email me because it would be great to know the answer. And even if there isn't a correct answer, if you have a follow-up question or if you have scripture that points us in the right direction, I would love to hear that from you. And you can find that email address at the very end of this podcast. So let's move on to verse 11 and 12. 11 and 12 say, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So the first thing I like to look at when I'm looking at a verse is, is there any words that I don't really know or don't really understand or something that doesn't make sense? And in this verse, the word impart didn't really make sense to me. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Impart means to make known. So Paul wants to make known some spiritual gift to make these, uh, to make the Romans strong. There are two kind of teachers in this world. There are ones that tell you what you need to know. And then there are teachers that say, come, let's learn together. Paul is definitely the kind of teacher that wants to be there with you and encourage you and grow with you. And this is proven when he says that he wants to go to Rome and that he hopes that the way will be open for him soon. And you can see that he really wants to go. He wants to be there. He wants to know these people. And he wants to know these people not only so then that he can grow with them, but also so then that he can help them with their spiritual gifts because how are you supposed to tell people what their spiritual gifts are if you don't spend any time with them he wants to go there and learn with them so then that he can show them what their own personal gifts are because as we've talked about previously we all have our own gifts we all have our own abilities that the spirit has given us actually being there allows paul to be able to encourage them in person which is what we're meant to do as Christians. We're meant to encourage each other and build each other up. And that just brings us back to what we were talking about before. If we want to be able to bring someone to Christ or even talk to them about it or talk about our faith to people, we have to build each other up. We have to be there for them. We have to be that person. 
we have to be able to understand what they're going through because every single person has their own gifts but they also have their own struggles and Paul wants to go there to be able to see all of these struggles and gifts because struggling as we will see again in Romans builds perseverance and when you have perseverance that creates this ability to be able to showcase your gifts sometimes. One thing I really wanted to do is stay away from the COVID conversation on this podcast, but I think it is very relevant in this because this year in 2020, the COVID outbreak destroyed encouraging each other in person. Churches were shut down, it was encouraged to stay home, people were laid off from work, and you were initially only allowed to interact with your immediate family members. People felt the need for being in each other's presence more than ever before. And when you are told that you cannot come together, this is when you realize how important it is in our faith to have other people to A, be accountable to, and B, encourage each other. This taught me just how much we need community. And if you are in a time where you are pulling away from people, that is usually when you need people the most. We need to be able to encourage each other in person because it's just so different than encouraging each other over text message or over Facebook or over Snapchat or even in a letter like Paul was doing. It's different. Yes, we have a little bit uh, more technology. Obviously, we can uh, FaceTime now or send videos and it's instant messaging, but it's still not that interaction. And we need that. We need that as Christians. We are part of a body. We cannot do it on our own. Would your finger be able to do what it needs to do if it was cut off and just by itself? Or would your eye be able to do what it needs to do without the rest of the body? No, because you need each other. You need to encourage each other. You need to use each other. And you need to showcase each other's gifts and to see each other's gifts so then that you can use each other's gifts. Because I know that I'm not great at some things, but my friends are great at other things. And that's just the way that it's supposed to be. Because if I was good at everything, I wouldn't need anyone else. I wouldn't even need Jesus. If I could be saved by myself, I would. But I can't. And I need to rely on other people. I need to rely on Jesus. And this is just one more case where we need to remember that. We need to remember that we're not alone and that we're not created to be alone. We're supposed to be in community with each other and encourage each other. And if you don't get anything else out of this, that's what I want you to remember is that we need to be encouraging each other. So please, please do that. Don't just encourage people that you know are struggling. Encourage everyone around you because you don't know what everyone is going through, right? Like, I know I don't like putting all of my problems up on a pedestal for everyone to see. And someone might not know that I'm going through something when I am. And if someone encourages me just because, it means so much more. One of the best assignments I had in Bible school was that we had to pick five people that helped us on our journey of faith and write them a letter or send a text message to them telling them that they helped us and how they helped us and why they helped us and why we are where we are today because of them. And 
honestly, that was the most incredible assignment that I've ever done because it not only touched my heart and made me remember where I was and who I was and how I became who I am, but it also helped me remember the people along the way and it also encouraged them and allowed them to feel like they did something special in my life because they didn't know that they half the people that I sent the letter to didn't know that they were that important in my life and it was just so encouraging both ways I'm gonna start crying a little bit but that's okay um I just I do really encourage you to do that if that's something that God has placed on your heart just write a letter or send an email and just encourage those in your life that have helped you along the way. That was another little bit of a rabbit trail. I apologize for that, but I do think that rabbit trails can sometimes be a really good thing and lead to really good discussion. So um, if you do write a letter or an email to someone email me and let me know how that goes because that would be really really cool to know how that made you guys feel um let's move on to verse 13 here it says i do not want you to be unaware brothers and sisters that i plan many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now in order that i might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Do you know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like Paul hit a brick wall. Have you ever been prevented from doing something, even if it was a quote-unquote good thing? I know that sometimes I can be prevented from uh, giving my tithe, or I can be prevented from doing things in my everyday life that I would normally do as a good deed but why and sometimes I don't look at the bigger picture sometimes I'm just sitting there like uh god I'm I'm really confused right now but there is always a bigger picture in this god always has a plan in this and sometimes it does feel like we're just hitting a brick wall and every time you try to go down that path it just doesn't work And for Paul, he was prevented from going to Rome. And this wouldn't have been a bad thing if he went to Rome. He was trying to advance God's kingdom, but the timing wasn't right. And God's timing is much better than ours. If Paul would have gone when he wanted to and in the way that he wanted to, it may have not turned out as such a great impact as it did when he was taken there as a prisoner. I'm going to throw my boyfriend under the bus a little bit here, but he worked at a gas station out of high school for about three years, and he just felt stuck. He felt like he couldn't move. He felt like he couldn't get another job. A little bit of his background, right now he works in video production, and that's always where his heart has been, and he's had it spoken over him that that's where he was supposed to be, and he's done amazing work for the kingdom of God in that And it's just really, really cool to see that. But he knew he was supposed to be there while he was at the gas station. But it just didn't feel right to leave yet. And can you imagine knowing where you're supposed to be and knowing that you're supposed to be somewhere else, but not being able to go there yet? And I know that 
I felt that before, maybe not in such a big circumstance, but after three years, he was released from that. And one day he was just sitting at the counter and staring at the pumps and he's like, my time is done. And he texted me and I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I don't know. And he gave his notice the next week. He gave a month's notice because he likes to plan ahead and be prepared. But at the end of that month, he still didn't have any idea what he was supposed to do. He was at home for a week and he didn't have a job. And he's like, I don't really know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what God's plan is. And all of a sudden, he started getting calls almost full time to work for this company. And he was working live productions and they got him sitting into the producer seat. And it's just been such a cool experience knowing how God moved in his life. And God has timing and it's not our timing. And I promise you that. So if there's something in your life that you just feel stuck in, or you know that you're supposed to be somewhere else, but you can't get there yet. Maybe it's not time yet. Maybe you're learning a new skill or building the skills to be able to do what you're going into. Or maybe you don't have the financial resources to do that yet. Maybe you're called to missions and you know that you're called to missions, but it just won't work for you to go yet. Maybe you need to get your financial things in set or maybe it's buying a house. Maybe the right house hasn't been on the market yet and God is just waiting in order to give you that perfect house for exactly what you need, which happened to Jordan as well. He actually just uh, made an offer on house today, which is really exciting and really cool. Um, but it's not about our timing and we can see that in verse 13 when Paul is saying, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I've planned many times to come to you in order that I might have a harvest among you. He's trying. He's trying to get there. And he's thinking about it. He's like, how am I supposed to get to Rome? Maybe I can go here. Maybe I can go this time. And he's like, I really want to go to Rome. And we can see that in our own lives, too, that sometimes we really want something and we know that we're supposed to do that thing but it's just not time. So when this happens to you, how do you feel towards God? And I'm not asking that to have a right or wrong answer. I just want you to think about that in your hearts. When this happens, how do you feel towards God? And do you ever look for that bigger picture? So let's look at this from the view of sharing our faith. It's not about us doing the perfect things at the perfect times and finding common ground first and then backing away a little bit. It's not a step-by-step -step process of convert your friend 101. It's, it's about God's timing. We can do everything absolutely perfect, but if it's not time, it's not time. And we can give them all the information. We can love them as much as we want. We can encourage them. We can compliment them. We can build them up. We can thank Jesus for them. 
we can treat them as well as we can, but it's not going to change anything if it's not God's timing and if it's not time for them to come to the Lord. What if God is setting all of this up so then that there will be that moment? But what if that moment's not right now? Sometimes we feel like we're failures if our friends don't come to Christ or we feel like we have dropped the ball. We feel like we have done everything wrong or maybe we feel like we've done everything right and we just feel so hurt because it hasn't happened yet. But it's not about us and I can say that all day. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. But it is about God and it is about his timing. And when we talk about sharing our faith with people, yes, we do have to actually share our faith with people in order for anything to happen, for anything to come of it. But God will ultimately do what God wants to do. And he will use us in the way that God wants us to be used. And it will be his timing, not ours. We can set everything up, we can line everything up, and we can be in position to be used. Because that's a thing. We can either just say, eh, God's going to do it, he doesn't need us. Which is true, he doesn't need us, but he does choose to use us. So we still do need to try, we still do need to put things into place, we still do need to talk to our friends about this. We still need to talk to our family members, our uh, strangers, but... Ultimately, it is God, and it isn't us. And honestly, I'm very thankful for that, because if it was all on my shoulders to convert people, that would be, honestly, it would be so stressful. And it's such a stress reliever, knowing that it's not on me, and that it is God. And that it is through Him, through Jesus, that people are brought to faith. Unfortunately, with my rabbit trails, I did go a little bit over time, so we won't be able to finish this half of the chapter today, but it will be in the next episode, and you can listen to that right away if you'd like to, because I'm sure it'll be out soon. Um, so chapter 14 to 17, we will do in the next episode, so I hope that you listen next week so then that you can dive into that with me thank you guys all for listening so much it honestly is such a blessing having you guys listen and um it is encouraging to know that some of you are listening and listening to every single episode which is super cool to me like i i don't think you understand how cool that is but if you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so by email, which is youngadultsbiblestudy.pc at gmail.com. And it would be great if you sent in some questions or just said, hey, I'm listening and tell me where you're from. I think that would be absolutely amazing. So you guys have a great day and we will see you next time.